Hello there. You're listening not to the quarter to three games or movie podcast. This is just our little mini podcast for making October scare again. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not blood. And I am Chris Hornbostel, and my game of the week is not uh, Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. What? Man, that's an old, that's a deep pull. <laughs> Doesn't even have to do with ha- uh, Halloween. At least I made mine scary, Hornbostel. <laughs> it was the first game that popped into my head. I understand. Sorry. Oh, wait, wait, that's, that's yeah, that's the new, like, it has, it's the one that has micropayment uh, biplanes, right? Exactly, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, not my game of the week either. You know what, I'm changing my answer. My game of the week also, not Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. So, what are the odds? <laughs> we picked the same thing. Wow. <laughs> Chris Hornbossel, what have you been doing all last week? Uh, I've been watching a whole lot of TV shows and oh. writing about TV shows. TV is, takes so forever to watch. There's so yes. much of it. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I watched three seasons of Penny Dreadful in the last, like, couple of weeks. Man, okay, that, that's on. hardcore. Yeah, I, le- I at least had a, a few that I was all caught up on, but, yeah, wow. Well, actually, okay, that's, to be fair, I'd watched two seasons, because I'd watched the first season a long time ago, so that was just right, catching up. Right. So not quite as, as impressive a feat as, as I might have portrayed it at first. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Of the things that we watched, one of yours was a little children's cartoon, yeah, yeah. I still, even though, like, I think the thing that you mentioned about it that most makes me interested is some of the cast members, like uh, Nick Offerman and Patton Oswalt. And like, it seems for right, some of the voice right. actors, I would watch it, but I just can't get over looking at screenshots of that TV show. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, I it, it is definitely a, a show that's pitched at kids. It aired on the Disney Channel. But I think even Disney didn't know quite exactly what it what it was, what they should do with this thing. Yeah, me and Disney both. I understand. <laughs> and when I watched it, I actually watched about because I had seen both seasons, and then before I wrote, I went back and watched a, a bunch of episodes that I that were I remember as being favorites of mine. And the thing that kind of stuck out in my head is. If this was on Adult Swim, right, or if this was on the Cartoon Network, or like if Netflix put this up alongside, you know, it's not as ed- like it's not edgy like BoJack Horseman or you know anything like that. It it it's not like that at all. It's a much gentler kind of sweeter sense of humor. It's a lot more like Parks and Rec in its sense of humor. Right, it sounds very uh, family-ish, which makes me even less inclined to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it, it does. It, it it it's knowing enough and cleverly enough written that I it, it it's it's a show that makes me laugh out loud at least three or four times right. every episode. So, yeah. Well, if it ever does get picked up at an adult cartoon network, maybe I would check that out. <laughs> uh, I also have something I want to ask you about. Your your favorite that you picked for our Friday favorites was uh, right. the NBC series Hannibal. Yes. Uh, for two reasons. Here are my two main obstacles for Hannibal. And what you wrote about it, of course, was uh, it, it made me very intrigued. I love the idea of the three seasons having structure like you talked about. 
Um, right, right. As a matter of fact, one of the uh, I'm not into science fiction, and way back when I actually watched all of Babylon Five because I'd been told that J. Michael Straczynski, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but that he had an overarching structure for it across several seasons, and I just was had no interest in open-ended, uh, just hey, are we going to do this many seasons or that many seasons, or is there going to be, you know, is, are you going to reboot after every episode or reset exactly. to zero? Uh, and I just remember hearing about Babylon Five. No, he's not doing that. It's a big five-season story arc and i loved that idea so when you mentioned that about hannibal i was like oh that's intriguing uh you know you mentioned the three season structure and how it sort of stood out for you but here are two (laughs) obstacles for me watching hannibal that are probably petty but they're still there and i need you to see if you can put them to rest ready okay go ahead first obstacle is i feel so thomas harris out like all right. his, like the the man the two manhunter movies and certainly Silence of the Lambs which is great but I've seen it a bazillion times uh I'm harassed out will that not be a problem watching this show <laughs> Okay well here's here's my Thomas Harris background I love Manhunter the first movie the Michael Mann directed movie from 86 with William Peterson as Will Graham and is it it's Ronnie Cox who plays Hannibal Lecter in that first movie right oh no uh, Ronnie Cox is the Robocop no guy. Bar- Brian uh, Cox Brian Cox Brian Cox yeah. Brian Cox yeah okay that's right yeah who it, it's uh, Max Fisher's dad or Max fit or the headmaster at the school with Max Fisher and Rushmore which that's how you is know hilarious. Brian that's how you know Brian Cox that's your go-to for Brian Cox huh <laughs> it's the first thing that pops into my head with Brian Cox you know, he anyway played, uh, he played uh, oh shoot who's hell on a toy's husband uh, begins with an M. Menelaus doesn't he, he played Menelaus in the Wolfgang Peterson Troy and he wore an amazing wig in that in that performance okay yeah. ha ha yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to make fun of my Rushmore reference if you're bringing up uh, Wolfgang Peterson's yeah. Troy well to be fair I actually know uh, now now I'm gonna get so that was my low lower brow reference Chris Hornball so let me get super highbrow on you my first sure. exposure to Brian Cox was when I was in school in London and saw him in a Royal Shakespeare production of both Taming of the Shrew and uh, Titus Andronicus. Uh, so I know well. him as a stage actor, and I just remember, you know, he hadn't been in any movies then. Uh, I just remember you shipping your key with like your pinky properly raised while while watching. How dare you? How dare you? I was <laughs> sipping espresso with my pinky raised <laughs> tea. Oh my god. So at any rate, sorry, but yes, Brian Cox was our original Hannibal Lecter. Uh, so right. and, and you, so go ahead. So that was in the Manhunter. In the I, 80s. I I loved that movie, and actually, I can remember I actually read the book Red Dragon when I was like in junior high, mm-hmm. and I don't know how well you remember the movie at all that that original movie, or if you've ever read the book, but the final chase scene to Francis Dolerhide's house is in my hometown, which is St. <laughs> Charles, Missouri. And they end up like his house where the final whole resolution of the movie in the book is, is this little bitty farming community just north of my hometown called Orchard Farm. And there's like maybe a dozen houses there 
if there's that many. And I'm like, oh my, you know, if you're a little, if you're a kid and you read that, and you're like, oh my God, this book ends up in, you know, my little hometown in the middle of, you know, it, this, it, it, it's, it was kind of exciting. So right there, that always kind of hooked me about Red Dragon. So I loved Manhunter. I, I really loved uh, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs. And then I saw, I think it was uh, Brett Ratner's Red Dragon. I saw it once, and I was like, eh. And then I never saw Hannibal, never saw any of the other Thomas Harris, whatever. I've never seen any of those. So coming at it from that standpoint, yeah, I, Hannibal will work if you're not totally oversaturated. Um it does if you're really familiar with some of the things that get discussed with uh, Will Graham at the beginning of Red Dragon, like uh, his injuries and everything else. They do play, you know, they do get you to that point where that backstory all gets referenced mm-hmm. in the show, but it doesn't get super. I, I, I don't know how super heavy it gets because I don't know. I think a lot has to do with how saturated you are with Hannibal Lecter. Right, right. Like if you can stand to see a, another portrayal of that that's pretty interesting, then it might be worth your time. But if you're really burnt out, it's tough to make a case, I guess. What I was hoping you would say, and this gets to my petty second objection is that Mads Mikkelsen is so good that it doesn't matter (laughs) Mads Mikkelsen is really really good in this so then here is my second uh, petty objection I've seen a few episodes of Hannibal uh, and I just I you know I feel this is the sort of complaint that Donald Trump would level against Hannibal my problem (laughs) Mads Mikkelsen's English sounds like he is having to phonetically say lines. I love the actor. He's he's amazing. And well, I, okay. I go way back with him. But when I the few episodes I saw, I was kind of thinking, oh, your English isn't quite strong enough to be playing this super intelligent, super educated American serial killer guy. Is that addressed? Is that is that silly? That is addressed. Am I being super That is sensitive? addressed. All right. Expl- so is that something that you find out, or is that something you should now tell me so that I will understand? It is something you find – well, they kind of drop hints that he is not a native-born American. Is that canon, by the way? On. Is that canon? I, I have no – I don't okay. know. I, okay. I have no idea whether it is or not. But they kind of drop hints that he is not a native-born American. And then in – gosh, I think it's the third season, they actually do go hunting for – when like the third season is all about trying – like they've kind of worked out – you know, Will Graham works out who he is reasonably early on but he can't do anything but now they've they're actually chasing him and they go to his home country which makes his accent completely make sense and that's all i'll say okay okay good enough uh so (laughs) hannibal was your favorite uh yep i I wanted to ask you about american gothic so I, i you made this great point about american gothic being a casualty of the medium at the time that it might have found an audience in a day yeah. and age when we have uh, DVR to record stuff and we can just stream things on demand. Uh, 
and you know people talk about with the Joss Whedon series Serenity how that got slaughtered by being broadcast out of order and apparently something similar happened to American Gothic um, does American Gothic resolve is it an open-ended season or does it seem it's... does it work as a single season show it works as a single season show. It doesn't. It's kind of like the show that you reviewed, uh, Kettering Incident, where it's it doesn't answer every question. But I think they knew halfway through the season that this was going to be a one season deal, and made sure that they at least gave it a decent wrap up, like a plausible so, cutoff point. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's a satisfying end. Uh, you know, um, yeah, it, it's crazy. If you look on IMDb at the broadcast dates on American Gothic, uh, the first six episodes aired in sequence at the start of that season from like September into October. And then it went on hiatus and came back and they aired some episodes in January, I guess, up through Sweeps Week, back when, you know, sweeps were a big thing. Oh, right. They were probably like wanting to pick out specific episodes to stick in well, the sweeps. No, I think they were trying to dump it episodes before sweeps in February. So they aired a bunch of episodes in January and then cut it off again, aired some episodes in March, and then dumped the rest into like three weeks, airing two at a time in July. Ew, okay, right. Wow. <laughs> so I think they got the message, you know – when they went on hiatus that long that this is not going to be picked up again. So just run with it. Right. Right. You know, uh, make it I, happen. I knew Gary Cole was in it. I did not know he played, as you put it, quote, a demonic sheriff. He does play it. He, <laughs> and he's so good at it. And you can, I, I could, I think I mentioned it, but you can see him doing his office space thing where he's got that really unperturbed and he's like, Yeah. Right, right. Uh, where he just kind of sneaks up on the guy in the cubicle. He does a lot of that sneaking up on the guy. Like they're not in a cubicle, but like all of a sudden he's just there. Right, right. And it's just really creepy. Um yeah, another performance in American Gothic that I really liked is this actor who I really don't like his politics at all, which kind of made me kind of get grumpy about him back in 2012. But it's this actor named uh, – I think his name is Nick Searcy. Oh, good lord. That guy? Yeah, the guy with Adam Baldwin who's been – Yeah, like, yeah. Ew, gross. <laughs> gross. Right. <laughs> and, but, you know, he played uh, Deke Slayton in that HBO uh, Apollo series – from back in the 1990s. And so since then, I'm like, cause he's good in that. Like he's good at playing kind of a, a good old boy with a conscience. Right. Or at least he was back then. Ew. You're, going to, bat be for, you're going to bat for Nick Searcy. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll have to go like do some door knocking or phone, phone banking over the weekend to make up for it. Don't but, worry. Yeah. I, I think she's got this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, one of the things when you talk about a demonic sheriff, have, have you seen Fortitude? Do you know Fortitude, the pick that I – I haven't, but okay. I'm going – like it's one of those things where I had it in my uh, in my queue to watch, and I'd seen a couple of recommendations on the forum about it. And so you know, when 
you and I were kind of putting together our list of shows to do. I was like, oh, we should, you know, that looks really interesting. And it's got, uh, I'm, I can't, I have no idea how to pronounce his last name properly. Michael Gambon, Gambon. Oh, I, I never know. even thought. I just Gambon? assumed it was Gambon. Like, uh, Gambon, whatever. There might be some sort yeah. of a French tweak. It didn't occur to I, me. You know what? It might not be because I think he's got an English accent, so it might just be Michael Gambon. No, he's definitely but, yeah, he's definitely English, but who knows? Like maybe his father was French I, or something. It didn't occur to me, yeah. But yeah, right. I, I know who you're talking about. I, yeah. As soon as I saw that he was in that, I'm like, ooh, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. want to see that. So, um yeah, I, I was glad that you immediately picked up on that and went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Let me definitely tell you, so one of the things I love about Fortitude is the detail that it has in terms of creating this world, this remote island way up in the Arctic Circle that kind of belongs half to Norway, half to the UK, because Russians from Murmansk or whatever are passing through there. There's a Russian population. Uh, there's just so much detail about what it's like to be in this frozen international nexus kind of in an odd corner uh this is no spoiler because it's one of the very first things you find out Mm -hmm. in the first episode michael gambon plays a photographer a nature photographer who lives there uh who's been diagnosed with cancer and it's terminal and because in a place there because there are no graveyards because of like permafrost in, in right, right. You, yeah you so, can't dig so so not only that he is not allowed because he's terminally ill he had to he's not allowed to die there like and he re- receives a notice from the government saying sorry you have to leave because you are not allowed to die on this on wow. this city uh, and that's such a weird detail that in a place like that somebody is terminally diagnosed with cancer they basically say we need you to leave because, you know, you're an impending casualty, and that's just not something that we have uh, much of a provision for here. Uh, it's such a weird detail. Um, so the, the reason I brought it up in connection to Demonic Sheriff is kind of the lead actor, and I think he does have lead billing, uh, an Irish fellow named Richard Dormer, and he plays the sheriff. You need that in these small-town mysteries uh, because they're the guys who investigate stuff, and you need an audience perspective to dig into a mystery. So generally, a sheriff is a good way to do that. Uh, sure. I love in Fortitude that it's so unclear, is this a good guy or a bad guy? What is he, what, does, what relation does he have to what's going on? How does he feel about this character? Why is he acting that way towards that character? Uh, he's not just a tabula rasa, like the audience, on which you write information about the mystery as he uncovers it. Uh, he's an integral part of the mystery somehow, and he's investigating it, and he's somehow involved. And it's not until the very last episode, one of the last moments, that you discover who he is and what he's all about and his role in all of this. Uh, and just the actor is amazing, and uh, I love the unknowns about all the characters, and, and even the one who's supposed to be front and center, your protagonist, kind of. Uh, I just love how you're constantly wondering about him. Is he a demonic now, sheriff? Does he just have a secret? Is he a good guy? Uh, yeah. Right. Now, is Fortitude also self-contained within yes, a I, single season? I almost hate that there is a second season of Fortitude. It is completely <laughs> self-contained, and there is not a hint, not whatsoever, that this was supposed to be an ongoing thing. Because the events here, they're explained. They are not the kinds of events that uh, bleed out. I mean, they're explained and they're wrapped up. It's done. It's over. (laughs) And if they're going to try to create another event to make a a season of television in this weird remote place, I can't help but think it's going to feel so contrived. 
Um, you yeah. know, like like twenty four, like all this crazy stuff always happens to Jack Bauer in one <laughs> exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. All this crazy stuff happening in this little remote town of Fortitude. And then it's going to – crazy stuff that is going to merit another, uh, what, eight, ten episodes is going to happen again? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. So I also have a problem with the second episode because the, the new actors they're bringing in, actually they offset each other. One of the actors uh, is – you know, I guess they need like a hook for American audiences. Uh, but one of the actors is Dennis Quaid. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of that. Like, I, I guess maybe he's like old and like he's he's grizzled and interesting enough now that they could do an interesting character. But yet Dennis Quaid isn't much of a draw for, for me uh, as far as uh, actors. But the one who offsets it, Dadgum, I'm going to forget her name. I think her name is Michelle Fairley. She played Lady Stark in Game of Thrones. Uh, Katarina Stark. Uh, Michelle Fairley. Fairly, Faraday, Fairly. At any rate, she is also a, a new cast member in second season. I love that actress. Don't know what they're going to do with them. I don't know what they play. There's currently a teaser that you can watch, but I've avoided it. Uh, and a second season of Fortitude starts in January, so we'll see what they're going to do with that. Is is uh, Michelle? That she's from Downton Abbey, right? I have never seen Downton Abbey. I don't, I wouldn't be surprised. She's. Uh, I'm trying to because I know the name. Well, you didn't. Gosh. You didn't watch Game of Thrones. I did watch Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on, K- Katrina Stark, the Red Wedding, one of the victims of the Red Wedding. The, the okay. Mother. Oh, so, the mother. Oh, with the red hair. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like an older woman, you know, in her forties. Uh, right. Uh, okay. Red hair, and uh, she just yeah, has this, yeah. this great matronly aspect to her. You know, she was Sean Bean's wife, and uh, so yeah, and she, you know, spoiler, she's not on the show anymore. For very, I, I'm not going to say whether or not she dies. She's not on Game of Thrones anymore, so she's presumably <laughs> got some time in her schedule to be in the second season of Fortitude. <laughs> now, you you actually you brought up a point about uh, contrived circumstances in some of these TV shows. And I wanted to get your reaction to this because it's something that I definitely noticed um, watching the last season and a half to get caught up on uh, Hannibal. And that is, you know, I know you had to have noticed this in Kettering Incident. I certainly noticed it in American Gothic. I certainly noticed it in in, uh, Hannibal is there sure are a lot of dead people showing up in these remote towns, like for murder. <laughs> like casualty murder rate, people. right, right. Yeah, it's like, wow, there are a lot of serial killings around northern Virginia and Maryland, you know, over a 18-month span of time. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, are, are, you know, that I get that suspension of disbelief, but... Man, does it get rough to do at times with the with the body counts in some of these shows. Now you're saying that about Hannibal, but I don't think I don't feel that's the case with Kettering Incident. Fortitude, I don't think it's the case. Uh, maybe uh, American Gothic there is, but I, the the shows that I was going to bat for, I don't think have huge body counts. They have significant body counts, like when someone <laughs> dies. But uh, like I think of Kettering Incident. If I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything because I love how mysterious that is but there's only the one casualty right am i forgetting something um it's like, like it well it's about the murder of a girl basically like that's yeah yeah, yeah but does anyone but, else die I'm, maybe i'm forgetting another i'm trying to think for some reason i 
had it in my head that a certain character that you find out in the last episode might play a part in that had other victims, but maybe maybe not. Huh, it could be, yeah. Well, there, there's so much also unanswered in Kettering Incident. Right, which right. I, I have come to peace with, and I don't know how much of this is a rationalization, but I have decided I don't mind if there's no more Kettering Incident. What you find out uh, about Elizabeth Debicki's character, uh, I'm fine with that being the only reveal, and the rest of it being, you know what, you just have to live with the unknowns. Like, it's it's permanently now, mysterious like i kind of like the fact that things what did are you make of the two moons i know there are things like that like there are things that are <laughs> it's literally like, uh, i actually was like now is that really a thing like is that like an atmospheric thing or something and i looked at them like no that's not a thing okay. well there's a throwaway line there's a throwaway line where they say yeah it's just it's just a trick of the like particulates in the air like it seems to be an accepted because they're, they're constant shots of two moons and it's not two moons it's the same moon doubled uh, it's not like two right. separate moons, and they're always in the same position to each other. But uh, there, there's a, it, it's constantly in visuals. Like with establishing shots, they always frame that in there because it looks really cool. And a few times characters mention it. But I get the idea that in the world of Kettering Incident, it's, it's weird and mysterious, but nobody really <laughs> is that worried about it because at some point they were told it's just a trick of the light. Uh, right. But it's also – I mean – thematically important that like it's a symbolic (laughs) right right. yeah yeah so uh i I think it's it's a weird visual but i think it has narrative significance thematic significance i should say and it's just part of the universe that they take for granted uh like when they talk about you know it's a ufo thing so when people talk about the lights up on sullivan's ridge that's an accepted thing that there are lights up there in this universe right right yeah um so yeah i'm i've come to terms with the fact that there's only currently one episode of it, and I've decided I'm okay with that. I'm happy to have that. Uh, one of the things, I don't know if this is the case, uh, Elizabeth Debicki has uh, since then, I think, gotten uh, a lot of like movie parts. I, I think she's kind of, I don't know about exploding, but her career is taking she's off. She's got pretty big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I wonder, you know, I suspect that might be an issue as well, is uh, bringing her back for a whole second season, tying her down for a TV schedule, maybe even being able to afford her. Like, it's a gorgeous show, and it doesn't look cheap in any way, but uh, it's a small network that is doing it. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a Yeah, I don't know if Foxtel or whatever that production company has the bankroll to uh, make make a second season happen. Although, when you you consider it, though, Chris, they are a subsidiary of, you know, Fox, the the, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Right, right. Like, there's money somewhere down the line. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, all right. So, yeah, uh, Kettering Incident, just the one season. Uh, and, yeah, I'm fine with that. Keep it that way. So here's my issue also now uh, with Outcast. Oh, did you know there's a, a TV show? Isn't there a TV show coming up of The Exorcist? Like it actually has the name The Exorcist? Yeah, yeah there is a TV show that's on right now called The Exorcist. Is that going to compete and... with Outcast? Um, not for long. Why did you say that? <laughs> Uh, it's not doing real well in the ratings. It's my what I actually I'm, I'm the nerd that follows TV ratings mm-hmm. because I feel like, as you pointed out right at the start of this podcast, television is such a time commitment that I am loath to give myself over to a show 
if I think that it was meant to have more than one season and then it gets canceled at 13 episodes or, you know, if it gets truncated, I don't want to waste my valuable TV watching. And it really doesn't look like The Exorcist right now. It's looking like it's going to have to rally pretty hard to get that uh, back nine pickup on episodes. Is that one of the main networks? Yeah, I think it's... I can't remember what network, but I think it's one of the big four. Yeah, because their criteria for something being successful is very different than the smaller networks. Yeah, Yeah, this isn't the CW, so um, I'm not sure that it's going to get that back nine pickup, and that's usually not a good sign. Right. right. Um, Now, there are people on the forum, who on the quarter to three forum, who have seen it, who really, really like it. Um, I'm going to wait and see, kind of, I'm going to wait till this season kind of plays out before I make a decision about whether to watch it or not. There's a, there, there, was, there would have been a time where me knowing that The Exorcist was on one of the main networks, I would have been like, no, it's just going to be defanged. How, uh, how, right, how right. scary can it be? But, you know, based on what people say about Hannibal from NBC. Uh, oh, my like gosh. I, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you've that's not the case skin, anymore. Yeah, you've got skinned people on Hannibal. Well, the one episode I, I watched, I, I watched because there's an actress named Shalane Simmons who is in a, one of my favorite horrible B-movies called Chupacabra Terror, um, <laughs> where uh, Giancarlo Esposito smuggles a chupacabra onto a passenger ship. And John Ross Davies, he's the captain of this passenger ship. And the chupacabra, of course, gets loose. And Shalane Simmons knows. plays the captain's daughter. Uh, who is put in peril later, but the deal is she teaches kickboxing classes on the cruise ship. And so <laughs> later in the movie, she kickboxes the Chupacabra. Uh, and so awesome. it, this this woman was in an episode of Hannibal about a serial killer burying people and growing mushrooms from their living corpse. Yeah, their living yeah. Body. yeah. Which that's like yeah. grim stuff. Like I remember that. <laughs> that uh, horror movie Motel Hell from way back when where people were planted in the ground with their heads sticking up uh, and you know it made me think of that like he was planting people and keeping them alive so that mushrooms would drink nutrients from them it, it just was weird um, and that's that is TV. like that is like the 99th least gross thing <laughs> on Hannibal he, like seriously like that's gross and that's not even scratching the surface of where that show goes. All right, good, good. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable that NBC would air that. I, it's just, it's crazy to me. Right. I mean, it's awesome, but it's crazy. Uh, did Hannibal do well, ratings-wise? Uh, not really. Okay. Hannibal did not do, and honestly, they weren't. Go- Hannibal wasn't going to get a, its third season oh yeah it was one of those things it was rescued right what happened well what happened it's if you watch the credits on hannibal um at the end it's actually completely bankrolled by this french uh studio movie production studio they pay for about 90 percent of the production costs of hannibal and it's a studio called gaumont or uh, you know, it's an old studio. It's been around for a while, right. but it was a deal that they entered into with NBC to jointly produce this. And they said, we'll pay, we'll, we'll make it all. Um, you know, they obviously had their eyes on the international syndication market. Right. So after the second season of Hannibal, the ratings were not there. 
and NBC said, we're going to cancel this. And the studio and uh, Brian Fuller, the creator of the show, said, we really want to do, you know, this is a three-season arc. We'd like to do our last 13 episodes. And the French studio said, we'll pay for it. And NBC said, fine, we're going to dump all 13 episodes into a two-month time span over the summer, you know, in replacement show hell. And they're like, okay, whatever. Do we it, get to make our last 13 episodes? Yeah, you do. Great. <laughs> uh, it occurs so, to me them ponying up for international rights like that, that was probably a selling point that the show got from Mads Mikkelsen being a, a very international type of actor, right. being not exactly. just an American dude. And the third season is, not to spoil anything, is a very international season. Hmm, I'm wondering what that could mean. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so that will also help the uh, international syndication markets. Well, uh, Chris Hornbossel, uh so TV having been a bit of a time commitment, what are we doing next week that is also <laughs> a bit of a time commitment? So I don't know about you, but I certainly – so the thing with this past week's recommendations, television – like Penny Dreadful has a, a bunch of terrible things about it, but I felt like there's enough cool stuff in it to recommend it. Uh, a little careless, but ultimately for me, the recommendations, some of them had caveats. It was the Friday favorites that I would unreservedly unreservedly recommend, and I suspect you're the same with Hannibal. Uh, right. I'm not going to be pulling any punches next week because I'm very particular about recommending what we're writing about next week, and what will it, that be? Uh, we are writing about modern sculpture in the hor- no. We are we are writing about fiction, and I share your enthusiasm and your kind of. I'm not writing about crap, you know, anything that has requires a reservation at all next week. I am so like I I I don't mind watching bad movies, and I'm even okay with reading bad books if the person who recommends it. Uh, like if, if I like them and if I feel they know me well enough, they think there's a reason for me to read something. I'm okay with that. Uh, but when I just get a random recommendation for the most part, I ignore it because it's more about like, I need to know the person recommending it. Uh, so I'm, I think we're putting a lot of trust on the line next week for for what we're picking. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And when you say fiction, so these are books, by the way, this is books, short stories, this is written fiction. Yep. No movies, no TV shows. These are these are actual physical. Well, not you could read them on a Kindle or whatever, but these are books. Right? These are authors. These are authors and right. books. The whole nine yards. Absolutely. Yeah, and I am uh, definitely looking forward to it. And uh, I'm very enthusiastic about uh, all of uh, the things that I'm going to be writing about next week. Yeah, and especially uh, you know. If you just read one entry next week, don't miss our Friday favorites because we'll be doing that at the end of the week. And over the course of the week, we'll just be picking kind of little themes to put together pairs of recommendations uh, to help you make October scare again. But then the fourth week of October, well, you'll have to stay tuned to find out what that is. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So uh, check us out over the course of the week on quarter to three dot com. And we'll be back next weekend to chat a little bit about the books we told you about. (laughs) 